At this time, I'd like to welcome Pastor Ken Keller to the service. Yes, that you would make him feel welcome, and he will introduce himself to you. We're getting off to a good start here, Bob. <laughs> the video clip didn't work. Well, then let me start this another way. I'll just add lib here. How's that, Dean? So the clip that I wanted to show, that it had some headlines from around the world, some from India, some from Nepal, uh, some from Philadelphia. It was all about the violence, the chaos in our world today. It ended with a couple of clips uh, from Harrisburg, actually, uh, from not too long ago. Shootings, things like that. There were some uh, in Nepal, there were church people who were kidnapped pastors who were thrown in jail. So I really wanted to set a light mood to start the service this morning with that. Um, but I just wanted to do that just to kind of talk about uh, peace, peace that we find in our world. You'll see that the title of the sermon is Peace in the Midst of Trouble. And so I wanted to set the stage by talking about the world and how this is a chaotic world that we live in. Uh, we talk a lot about how bad things are today, but when we think back over 2,000 years ago, they were really bad then too, right? So what does Jesus offer us? I just want to encourage you this morning that uh, by the time I'm done, uh, you'll be encouraged, not discouraged, okay? So this is not a downer sermon this morning, but the truth of the matter is that the world can be a scary place, even close to home. And so I put all that together just to say that in a violent, chaotic world, God offers us peace. Now, that's easy for me to say, right? But is it so? Well, I can assure you that it is so, and not just because I say so, but because Jesus said so. And we know that Jesus never made a promise that he didn't keep, right? So how can we have this peace that he offers? Well, first, let me give you the key to finding that peace, and it's this truth. God promised peace, but it's not, his promised peace is not peace as the world describes peace. You see, the world's idea is that peace is based on our circumstances. So peace in my life depends on what's happening to me, right? If people treat me nice, if things are going well in my life, if my 401k is growing, which by the way, if yours is, we need to talk because mine is not. <laughs> but if my 401 is, is growing, if my kids are safe, if I have a steady job, if the terrorists are under control, if my loved ones are healthy and doing well, then I'm at peace. But if my circumstances aren't favorable, then I'm finding no peace. I'm worried and I'm stressed. But the peace that God offers is totally different. God's peace goes beyond our circumstance. You see, this peace that's described in the scriptures, it's a profound, peaceful quality of life that rises above the events and the disasters which happen in our world. It's a peace that's not influenced by circumstances. And can I tell you that when I say peace can be found in Jesus despite our circumstances, I'm sure of that. And not just because the Bible says so, and not just because Jesus said so, but because I've seen it in my own life. So I just want to take a couple minutes here and tell you a little bit about myself, 
about my life journey. This is the short version. I was raised in a Christian home. I remember accepting Jesus as my Savior at the age of eight in a Baptist church. And yes, that still does count. The Baptist church conversion does count. I remember very distinctly standing there holding on to the pew. For three Sundays in a row, I felt this urge. If you've ever been in a Baptist church, there's always an altar call. That's just what you do at the end of the service. And so I went up, and at eight years old, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. My dad went on then to pastor in the BIC church for over 30 years. I had a sister who pastored in the BIC church. And when I was 33, I was working at UPS down around Baltimore, Maryland, and I felt this call to ministry. So I moved my family, my wife and two boys, from Essex, Maryland to Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. And I went to Messiah College, now Messiah University. So four years later, I graduated. I took a youth pastor position at the Idaville United Brethren Church. And I did talk to some people. They actually know where Idaville is. Not many people do. But if you're in this area, you do. I served there for five years. And then I took a senior pastor position at the Fairview BIC Church in New Cumberland, Pennsylvania. And I served there for 17 years and then retired in June of 2021. Now, with all that background, let me tell you the part of my life journey that will demonstrate for you why I understand firsthand this idea of peace in the midst of chaos and hardships in this life. So while I was serving at the Fairview Church, my wife of 29 years was diagnosed with breast cancer. That was in December of 2009. I remember very distinctly Christmas Eve, 2009. My wife, Pam, fought this horrible disease for the next five years. Those years were spent mainly in doctor's offices and hospitals, just trying all different ways of treating this disease. And finally, we ran out of options, and Pam passed in March of 2014. Now, as you can imagine, I was devastated by her passing. We were, we were childhood sweethearts, and we had a great life together. Yet I remember very distinctly at her memorial service as I spoke, feeling this peace wash over me. I knew that God was weeping with me, and I knew that he and I would get through this together. I felt that peace that Paul describes as passing all understanding, right? As life moved forward, four years later, I met Judy, and we were married. God had blessed me again. By the way, on your prayer list, you can add Judy Keller. My wife had surgery on Thursday, and she's recovering from that, so that's why she's not with me this morning. I think she's watching on the live stream if she figured out how to get on YouTube on the television. So <laughs> a shout out to my wife this morning. But be praying for her as she recovers. But I met Judy, and we got married, and married for five years, a wonderful marriage again. I've been blessed twice. And then last year in September, I suffered another great loss. My oldest son, Chris, died after developing a post-operative infection. He passed very quickly. It was tough, your oldest son. But as I spoke at his memorial service, that peace came over me again. People always ask me how, because I, I spoke at my wife's and I spoke at my son's. I said, because I know God, I know Jesus. And I have the peace in the midst of that. I love my wife and son. They'll forever be a part of me. But God gave me peace when it seemed like there never could be. 
There have been other instances of, of feeling this peace. Both of our sons, Chris and Josh, were born prematurely. Chris spent the first two months of his life in the hospital neonatal center. Uh, Joshua, just the first month, we were luckier the second time. We cut that in half. The normal things of life, losing my mom and dad, losing Pam's father, losing Judy's mother, just the normal cycle of life and death. Now, I don't tell you all that this morning to elicit sympathy from you. I tell you that to demonstrate that peace can indeed be found even in the darkest times. I tell you that because it's true. Has anybody, did anybody watch the series This Is Us when it was out? Very popular. I have one person. Oh, now the hands are, once you confess, then they all started confessing. But in This Is Us, there's a scene that has stuck with me since I've seen this. Um, Toby, who, if you didn't watch, you don't know who Toby is, but she loves Toby. So Toby is lying in a hospital bed. He's had a heart attack. And he's told by the doctors that he has to have a very dangerous procedure done. And so he says to his fiancée, Kate, and I love this, listen to this quote. He says, our love is what's real. All this other stuff, it's just life trying to get in the way. Isn't that great? Our love is what's real. All this other stuff, it's just life trying to get in the way. I love that analogy. God's love is real. His offer of peace is real. All that other stuff, it's just life trying to get in the way. I want to thank my sister before I move on. My sister's with us this morning, um, here to support me. The original plan was I was to bring Judy and she was to take Judy home because I had something after this. But since Judy couldn't make it, my sister Jean still came. So Jean, thank you for being here. Also want to thank Joe, Pastor Joe, for inviting me to speak this morning. So I think that's all the formalities I have to do. <laughs> Let's look at our scripture for this morning and talk about the peace that we're offered. It's, it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Paul writes here and he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now this peace that Paul talks about here in verse 7, it's the Greek word irene. And it carries the meaning of to join with something in order to find quietness and satisfaction. To join with something. So it indicates that we are to be joined with Christ. And when we do that, we can experience peace in the midst of turmoil. The problem is that many Christians are not experiencing the peace of Christ. They're not joined to him the way they should be. They're not experiencing quietness in their life. Things are in turmoil. The peace of Christ is not evident in their lives. I didn't know any of you this morning until I met you. So I don't know what's going on in your life. But maybe that's you this morning. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. I'm not talking about salvation. But in this earthly journey, you just can't seem to find the peace that Jesus offers. If that's you, then I submit to you that the first thing you need to do is evaluate your closeness, your walk with Jesus. Maybe there's some things in your life that don't belong there. I call these things peace barriers. 
Let me give you two of the most common peace barriers in the life of the Christian. The first one is unsatisfied expectations. Do you ever feel like sometimes you're just going through the motions and the motions seem to be getting tougher every day? Truth be told, many of us are discontent with the way our lives are progressing. It could be that the expectations for your marriage have not been met. Or maybe your kids aren't living the way you think they should. We all have opinions on that, right? I won't get into that this morning. Or maybe you don't have everything you want. A bigger house, a nicer car, a better job. I'm convinced that a spirit of discontentment is robbing many good Christian pe uh, people of the peace that they should be experiencing. Listen to how Paul described the secret of finding peace. He found peace with whatever God had given him. It's found in Philippians 2 where he says, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I find it interesting in this passage, it's a word that we don't often look at, but Paul calls contentment a secret. There's a mystery about contentment and peace. It's something that Paul says we need to discover. It needs to be sought out. Paul had to learn how to live with unsatisfied expectations. I mean, do you think from time to time that Paul may have yearned from just a little bit more from God? Do you know the life of Paul? Do you know what he went through? I'll bet he had those thoughts from time to time until he learned this secret of how to be content, how to find peace with what God had given him. In the same way, we have to be content with what God has given us, whether it's plenty or whether it's just a little. Here's a great truth to live by. Peace doesn't come when we have everything we want. It comes when we want everything we have. Do you get it? See what that's saying? There's lots of things we want, but do we want everything we have? Are you at peace with what you have? Are you thankful that your everyday needs are being met? Or do you find yourself always wanting more? Those are unsatisfied expectations. Let me give you the second barrier, and that's unconfessed sin. This is sometimes a hard one to talk about, but I'm convinced that this is probably responsible for chasing more peace out of our lives than any other. Guilt can steal your peace faster than anything I know. King David understood this very well when he attempted to ignore the promptings of the Spirit in his life. He writes this in Psalm 32. He said, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. He says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. King David went through a period in his life where he tried to hide his sins from God. And if you read his story, or if you remember this story, you'll know that he suffered mentally and emotionally. He was near despair. The burden was so heavy on his shoulders. 
The question is, have you been there or are you there? Have you ever hidden from God or tried to hide from God? If you've experienced that, you know what it feels like to have the absence of peace in your life. It's impossible to find peace when you're hiding from God. But here's the good news. Listen to how the psalm ends. Verse 11 of that chapter. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, be glad you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. David confesses his sin. He stops hiding from God. And what happens? His peace returns. So those are two peace barriers. There are other ones we could talk about, but we don't have time. Pastor Joe said I only had an hour this morning, so <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> those are two peace barriers. Let me give you now peace requirements. The great evangelist and baseball player Billy Sunday once said, the trouble with many people is that they've got just enough religion to make them miserable. Isn't that a weird saying? Just enough to make them miserable. Can I tell you that religion can make you miserable? Even the Christian religion, is that sacrilege? Can the Christian religion make you miserable? I think it can if you do not have the proper understanding of what it means to serve Jesus. If you don't, you could be a miserable Christian. You see, many people think that serving Jesus is all about rules and regulations. It's all about doing the right things. Is that you? If so, then you've been misinformed. Because biblical peace is not about rules and regulations. It's about relationship. It's not a matter of stopping every five minutes and saying, I wonder if God is still pleased with me. I wonder if I'm still good in the eyes of Jesus. I wonder if that was okay. You see, when you have the kind of relationship with Jesus that he wants you to have, you'll be doing the right things naturally. They'll just become a natural part of who you are. You won't have to stop every five minutes and say, was that wrong? Was that right? I love the video about being honest, about stealing, about all of those things. As a Christian, they just become natural for us to be honest, right? At least they better be and not steal. But it's not a matter of do I have to stop and think about giving that wallet back? It'll just be the natural thing to do. If not, then you've got the wrong kind of relationship. When you have the right relationship, then it becomes just a part of you. You make good decisions, not because you're afraid of God, but because you love Jesus. And if that's the relationship you have, then you'll have peace like you've never experienced. So how do I get there? How does it become natural? for me to make decisions that please God. That's kind of what I want to unpack in the time that we have left this morning. So let me give you just two things that can build lasting peace into your life. The first thing is you need to recognize God as the giver of peace. We can be helped greatly in our journey towards peace if we learn to see God not as a taskmaster, but as the God of the universe with a smile on his face. Do you picture God with a smile on his face? We know there's many pictures of interpretations of Jesus because we don't know what Jesus looked like, right? Do you remember Jesus knocking at the door of our heart? And you know my favorite picture of Jesus? He's seated on a rock 
and he's got children all over his lap. You know what, why that's my favorite? Because he's got a smile on his face. When we think of Jesus, we often don't think of a smile, right? When you think of God, do you think of a smile? God is usually depicted as this very serious looking person looking down on the earth, right? But look at these words from the book of Zephaniah. The prophet Zephaniah says in chapter 3, verse 17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's how God feels about you. God delights in you. He breaks out in song when he thinks about you. Is that a shock? I like how the Living Bible paraphrases this verse. Is that a joyous choir I hear? No, it is the Lord himself exalting over you in happy song. God is rejoicing over you. Is he frowning as, he do, as he's doing? I believe he's smiling. He not only weeps with us, he laughs with us. If you don't have peace in your life, it could very well be because you just don't understand how much God loves you. You see, he's not a vengeful judge waiting for us to mess up so he can unleash his fury. He created us to be his delight. He exalts over you in happy song. There's a peace to be found in understanding that we are a delight to our God. So recognize him as the giver of peace. The second thing you can do is to stay close to Jesus. The only way that you will ever experience the fullness of Jesus is to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I know you've heard that before, right? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's a love that needs to be renewed on a daily basis. It sounds a little strange, but the only way to really find peace is to stop looking for it on your own. If you want to go to Barnes & Noble and look for books on peace and how to find that inner peace, you can do that. You can spend lots of money, but I can guarantee you won't find it. The only way you'll find true peace is through God, through his son, Jesus Christ. There's been many people who've tried and failed. Jesus is the answer to the peace. Let me show you a passage that's very familiar to you. We hear it at Christmas every year, yet we overlook the peace part most of the time. It's found in the book of Luke in the second chapter. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appear with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace. Peace is found in Jesus because Jesus is peace. If you want the kind of peace that is complete and lacking nothing, then you have to remain close to Jesus. Apart from him, you'll never find it. So with all that in mind, let me give you two application steps. I always believed as a pastor, if I told you things and didn't apply them to life today, how could you use them? So let me give you some ways to apply this. First of all, you need to beware of peace barriers in your life. Be vigilant, or vigilant in evaluating your daily walk with the Lord. If you want, ask someone to hold you accountable so you can learn the secret of peace, so you can learn about forgiveness in relationships with others. Get in the habit of daily confessing your sins. 
not so you can be pure in the sight of God, but so that you can come out from under this burden of trying to hide from God. You know how silly it is to try to hide? You remember the Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve tried to hide. Yet we try to hide from God. Beware of that. Be open with God. Then work on the peace requirements. Maybe you haven't come to the realization that God is indeed the giver of peace. Maybe you just don't have that close relationship with Christ that you need to have. Whatever it may be, get it right and see if you don't find this peace that God offers. So as we close this morning, I just want, you, I just want to encourage you to search your life. If there's peace missing, see what it is that's stealing your peace. Do you have some unsatisfied expectations? You have a spirit of discontentment? If so, determine to do whatever it takes to learn the secret of wanting everything you have and not necessarily having everything you want. If you can do that, then you'll experience peace even in the small things of life. Confess your discontentment to God. Maybe God's hand is heavy on you now for some sin that you've not confessed and repented of. Don't keep it silent any longer. It's just going to chew up your peace. Acknowledge that sin before God. Taste the peace that was once yours. So I told you by the end of the message you would be encouraged. So here is the encouraging truth, and that is that lost peace can be restored. God can bring back the peace you seek. It's a peace that we all yearn for. None of us want to struggle through life. We all want to find peace in this world, right? Remember the words of our passage from Philippians, if I can get back to it. What'd you do to me back there, Bob? Oh, I went to the wrong thing. <laughs> Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'm going to let the sound room handle that. <laughs> do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does anybody recognize the name Horatio Gates Spafford? If you do, I'll be very impressed. I don't see any hands going. I see a head shaking. Okay. Well, Horatio was an American lawyer, and he was a Presbyterian elder in his church. But what he's best known for is a hymn that he wrote, It Is Well With My Soul. Now, the amazing part of this story is what caused him to write this hymn, what transpired. You see, Horatio experienced tragedies that are almost incomprehensible. In quick succession, he lost his four-year-old son to scarlet fever, and four of his daughters aged 12, 7, 4, and 18 months. The girls and their mother were on a ship, and it had a collision with another ship, and the four girls were killed. His wife survived. Now, those kinds of losses are mind-numbing, right? We can't even wrap our heads around that. But as he's traveling to meet his wife after this tragic event, he writes these words that become the hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, 
Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. That doesn't make any sense, does it? How can it be well with his soul? It's well because Horatio had found the peace that only God can give in the midst of darkness and turmoil and heartache. Have you found that peace? As the praise team comes, I just want to invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads for just a few moments. I just want you to listen to God. Many times God spoke in a loud voice in the Old Testament, but we're told that he also speaks in a still voice. So he's whispering to you this morning, find my peace, rest in me. Allow me to give you the peace that passes all understanding. The peace that doesn't rely on your circumstances. Allow me to give you the rest you desire. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the way you watch over us. Thank you for your forgiveness. We came here this morning and we worshiped you in many different ways and we want to leave here worshiping you. So let us do that in ways that are real, in ways that show your love to our world. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. I think it's appropriate to say, go in peace. Amen.